The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. In particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I want to tell you about Texas radio and the big beat. What happened was true. This is the movie that is just as real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. Dog will hunt. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. Hi. Great. How are you? Happy Halloween. It's a special time of year, isn't it, guys? So it magical. Is. It's kind of, I feel like we're, we're getting kind time. Yeah, we're getting the COVID version. I mean, there's not really um, much going on that I know of. You guys trick-or-treating this year? Or? We're trying to figure that out. And you know what's weird is uh, I go big on Halloween, so I decorate the shit out of my yard, my house. And I live in a, 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 it's a... It's a great neighborhood, but it's an older neighborhood. So for the first couple years we lived here, we were literally the only house that decorated for Halloween. And... Every year since, more and more people have kind of started to decorate. But what I've noticed this year, and I'm not going to say that I'm the inspiration for it in my hood, but I think maybe COVID and because people are home, my neighborhood is fucking killing it this year. Like every house has all these great Halloween decorations. People are always out walking, getting their steps or walking their dog and stopping in my yard and being like, oh, your decorations are great. I'm going to get mine out. Um, so I'm loving it, but I am kind of sad because it's like the most Halloweeny my neighborhood has been, and I, I I don't really know what the rules are. No one's told me what the rules are for trick or treat. That's not what Halloween's about. That's not what Halloween's about. What decorating? My house is scary. My house is scary, for real though. It's like the cobwebs. I didn't buy those at the store. I'd take them out of the plastic package. Those are real cobwebs, and that like faded. Uh, paneling and everything in the dark windows with all the curtains drawn. That's my place. That's scary. I never get candy. I turn off my lights and I peer out the blinds when the kids come to my neighborhood. Uh, I think like, I'm that, celebrating yeah, I appreciate that real that, Dave. pagan yeah, weirdo. Your place is, is, it can be a little spooky, but I am sure that I could collect I could uh, collect a fee to leave my house. 
this would be the haunted house you have to pay. Uh, go ahead and, yeah, <laughs> j- take care of whatever you're watching on the side there. Uh, sorry, a dog I sat on the on remote that. control, I'm sorry, and turned on the television. That, I guess it is haunted. Right after it ate your homework. <laughs> I, I even have the haunted house people have to pay to leave, and they would pony up. That's all I'm saying. There's only one way out of your house. Yeah, that's the best kind of gig. We, you make them pay to leave. So this week we're talking uh, two parts about director, filmmaker, writer, Toby Hooper. And it is pronounced Toby. I've been saying Toby Hooper my whole life. And then right before this podcast, I started getting scared that maybe it's actually Tobe because it's T-O-B-E. Yeah. And we keep finding things. That's how you that spell Toby. We, yeah. Well, that's why I said Toby because I looked, I looked into it. Uh, so I'm just saying, for everyone else, you can breathe easy. It is actually Toby. Toby uh, this Hooper. is a softball. I mean, we've been we can pronounce this stuff this week. I think we're okay. Well, we're talking. To, oh, I'm sorry. Is, is did you have a guest? You brought. It sounds like you brought a guest. Oh well, Liz might play the piano. Oh, at okay. Any point. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, she's been playing all hours of the night, but it's a good horror movie soundtrack. Uh, Liz, well, if you want to play the piano, you can play. I know for me, I think I can speak for Dave and Kevin. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is still the golden, what is it? The Holy Grail. It's the Holy Grail of all horror film to me. Um, If there can be only one, if there's a goat, if you had to strip away everything else, I think you're left with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, that is correct. Uh, should we roll? Do you guys want to roll? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I'm, I've introduced the director, the film. We watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre this week. Kat, you had never seen it before. I've seen it many, many times. Um, I feel like it's lost nothing. It holds up great. It's scary. It's brutal. It's bludgeoning. It's a lot. It's terrifying. It's grimy. Mm-hmm. It's very grimy. Yeah, I think we need. I think we need the the freshest viewers take to start this off. This was a fucking awesome movie, you guys. You yes. steered me right. Yes. Um, this movie it hits hard, like right off the bat. That fuck the lighting, and then the fucking music, the whatever it is. Um, it's the grotesque, like dead bodies that you're like all of a sudden just like right in front of you. You're like, oh, okay, the movie has started. There we go, dead bodies. <laughs> um, it's definitely the OG what not to do if you're in a horror scenario like don't pick up hitchhikers don't investigate weird noises like don't go looking for your friends in the dark like this is where i think this is the film where we all learned what not to do if you're in this scenario um obviously leatherface is fucking terrifying he's huge i don't think i ever realized what a big dude leatherface was and at first i was like he could be daddy of the week, you know, he could wrap me up in them <laughs> arms and like, you know, take me off. <laughs> in the pretty um, woman mask. And, yeah. Uh, and then it zoomed in on his face and I was like, I don't know. Maybe not daddy of the week uh, for the first one, but I would say the sequel, he definitely gets daddy of the week. Oh yeah. He's learned to love. We'll get to that, but. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I'm sure, you know, there's plenty more to say about it, but I was pleasantly surprised 
how much like during this movie I wanted to shut it off because I was just like, you know, but I'm glad I, I stuck through and saw the end. It was beautiful. This is my all time favorite horror movie. Uh, it was born the same year as I was. And even I just get triggered from this movie. Um, the credits are scary. Like everything about this movie is scary because there's so many times I turned this on as a kid and like barely made it through that intro thing that you're talking about with all the macabre, like dead body sculptures and everything. And, uh, and the voiceover that starts the movie um, is amazing. But if people out there don't know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a family of killers. There's a chainsaw involved. There's a butcher. Uh, there's like a uh, slaughterhouse involved. Uh, there's cannibalism. Uh, and it's just this house of horrors. If you have not seen the Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre like Cat had not, you need to run out and go see it. I think it's the scariest movie ever. I think it's uh, it's it's very realistic. It's it's shot amazingly and it's very independent. It was made on a shoestring budget, and it's it captures like a an exact moment that had to be done in horror movies, and it's a work of genius. I don't. I think it's by far uh, Toby Hooper's crowning achievement. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times we get our best work from people that are hungry and we get our best work from people that are, you know, working with as little as they have. You look at the making of this movie and everybody was playing multiple roles. Um, and this just sort of was one of the first movies, I think, that brought extreme realism into horror. So I think for a lot of a lot of years in horror, you had to have a supernatural element or a vampire element, or something. There was something greater than just the fact that there are a bunch of fucking psychos living in the woods of Texas that want to kill you and eat you. And this movie nailed that. It brought, like, a serious realism. And one of the things that it did brilliantly was it basically said the story you're about to see is true. And Hooper was one of the originals that was totally fucking with us. This wasn't a true story, but he played to it so well, just based on the fact that it was inspired by Ed Gein, and it was actually inspired by by something else. Kim Hinkle, who co-wrote it, uh, had a great interview that I found uh, where he kind of let on another serial killer that this was inspired by. But this this is my not just my favorite horror movie. This is my favorite movie of all time. I watch this every year in the dead of summertime in Maine, which is a very short and very beloved season in our state. And I wait for a perfect, like, 75-degree day. I open all the, the curtains and the shades and all the windows, and I put this on, and it still scares the shit out of me and unsettles me to this day, every single year that I watch it. So it, it is the holy grail, like Trent said, of horror. I challenge anyone to a duel to the death that says otherwise and like dave said go see it if you haven't it's free on tubi i would recommend getting shutter because it's on there right now so you don't have to deal with the ads because we've said a million times you know tubi's fine deal with some ads every 15 minutes the texas chainsaw massacre is something you want to experience for all 84 or 86 minutes of it start to finish with no interruptions uh, the main thing about this this first 
original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that there's like no there's there's no comedy at all. There's no lightheartedness. There's no um, fake looking anything. There's no you know suspension of disbelief whatsoever. It's just something that's happening in front of the camera, um, and it really lacks anything other than just a disturbing feeling. It it has no it has no emotion. You don't really get connected to the characters that much. It, it, you you get more connected to the villains than you do the antagonist. Well, you say there's no comedy, and I mean the protagonist. A lot of times, you know, in horror movies, they try to throw in some some jokes or some comedy amongst the victims so that you get connected to them. In this one, they do a great job of making the victims just as annoying. Uh, as the killers are scary, so you spend the whole time Franklin. feeling tense. You're like you're either hating the people that are going to end up getting slaughtered, or you're terrified by the people who are doing the slaughtering. And it's a it's a brilliant use of characters and a brilliant job writing the script to be like nothing about this movie is going to be playful. We are literally like trying to offend you and scare the shit out of you the entire time. We will not give up. They really lay it right out in the open early on when the van full of teens drives by the slaughterhouse and it cuts to it cuts from the kids in the van to all the cows in the slaughterhouse like and then back to the kids in the van. You can't be uh, you know, more straight up about what what's about to happen literally to the slaughter and it plays right through the rest of the way, like every step of the way is the archetype move for every movie. I mean, right from the beginning, you have the kids in the van, you have the harbinger, the hitchhiker, you have two really harbingers, I guess you have the hitchhiker, you have the gas station, you have the old house. I mean, it's like, right, right down the line, boom, 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 pretty much everything since I mean, a lot of things since have been variations on the theme here that's been set out. It's still pretty much what you do today. I like when you see uh, when you see pictures or you see footage of the making of this. It looks like they look like Black Sabbath. They all have like these like long shaggy haircuts and black shirts and like corduroys on, and they're just making a horror movie. I feel like this this movie is very it's very metal in a weird way. We talked about that on the indie when we talked about indie film broadly on that episode. These guys are like rebels, you know. It's total yeah. like outcast, you know, similar to like a an early me- underground metal band or something like that. There's a whole thing where you have these, you don't know if they're rich kids or if they're poor kids. You get the feeling that they're just kind of like regular middle class kids from the city coming into the countryside, into this rural area where people are poor and they're doing whatever they can. They rely on the slaughterhouse for jobs and... They're changing the way they're they're doing the things at the slaughterhouse so people aren't needed to sledgehammer them to death. So people are out of jobs and people are doing whatever they can to survive, which turns out eating teenagers, which I that's a great solution. <laughs> can we talk about how that one guy, the teenager with the afro, definitely looked like Disco Stew from The Simpsons, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. that's literally all like that's all I could see oh, no, when that, I was watching oh, it. Guy the guy with like yeah, every time he was on the screen, I was like, oh, it's just it's disco stew. Definitely, definitely <laughs> disco stew. 
No, but we should talk about Franklin because, oh, my God. So I, I, we've oh. kind of established the family, that there's a family of psychos living in the, the woods or fields of Texas. But the kids in the van are actually going to check on, and I never picked up on this before, so correct me if I'm wrong. And I already said this is my favorite movie, and I never caught this. I never understood that the reason that they were all in the van and going to this part of Texas was to check on their grandfather's grave. Because one of the killer's families has been going and, like, desecrating graves. So I never picked up. I, I literally never picked up on that because this movie really oh, just gets the going theme. quick. What's that? The, the Hitchhiker. The Hitchhiker. I mean, a lot of the later remakes and versions got rid of the Hitchhiker's character. But his whole vibe is making, like, macabre sculptures out of dead bodies. Like, each one of the bad guys in the family has like a different little thing that they're into that's fucked up. And the hitchhiker is the one who makes all these weird puppets and who makes that that statue in the beginning, but that's from Robin Graves. Yeah, I, I never caught that. And that actor is awesome, by the way. There are a couple really good documentaries on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. One of them is actually on Tubi, and it's called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, A Family Portrait. The other one I found on YouTube called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shocking Truth. And they're done at different times. I know that Family Portrait was done in 88. Not sure when Shocking Truth was done, but it's definitely later because all of the actors are much older. But uh, the guy that plays the hitchhiker is Edwin Neal. And if you watch the Family Portrait DVD, this guy is a whack job in real life. And he was going to University of Texas... And at the time, word was getting out that Toby Hooper was doing this Texas-based film in Austin, and it was going to be a feature-length movie. So he stumbled upon the auditions and decided to read for The Hitchhiker and realized as he was reading the script that The Hitchhiker sounded exactly like a nephew of his who was a paranoid schizophrenic. So he started to do an impression of his paranoid schizophrenic nephew, and that's how he got the role of The Hitchhiker. But that guy went on. If you watch the doc, he's incredibly eccentric. He does all these different voices and characters. Um, but he went on to have a wildly successful career doing voice acting. He's amazing. He does an uh, incredible I love, job. Yeah, yeah I, that's that van scene is one of like his acting in that is one of my favorite of any movie of all time. Like that's it's such a great scene. It's so well acted. It was so tense. It was like such a tense way to like start off everything and it was but it set it up perfectly because you're like this fucking guy's gonna he's gonna circle back and then yep all of his family was much worse you know that's the part you know if you you talk about the classism when he's when he's trying to take a picture and sell it to him for two dollars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like that's real like people do shit like that in yeah. the port. <laughs> that really defined hitchhiking for me for most of my life like i saw this pretty young and that you know that's what happens if you pick up hitchhikers, guys, you've been there cutting his, he's going to start by cutting his own hand. He's probably going to have some pelts <laughs> on him or something. they are talking some crazy stuff. Next thing you know, he's cutting you. You know, I picked up a hitchhiker once and hung out with him for three days. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> what? I'm sure you've done yes. that more than once. I mean. No, it was just once. I picked him up in gray. Uh, we started ha- talking. He had some weed. And then we got talking about music and probably horror movies or whatever. We just had tons in common. And then it was just like I was doing a bunch of like mundane things like, oh, yeah, I got to go 
do this tomorrow. You want to just go with me? And Where is he and, now? Yeah, it, Are you guys still friends? Oh, I killed him. <laughs> a classic. I didn't trust a him at switch all. Up, was, a switch up on the hitchhiker thing. Like, <laughs> instead of the hitchhiker killing you, you're, you're killing hitchhikers. I mean, after yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you have to kill the hitchhiker. I mean, you can give him a ride, but I mean. I remember being skeptical it. about this movie. Even as a kid, I was like, what can, how bad can it really be? I've seen, I, you know, this wasn't like the first horror movie I'd seen. I was like, what can really go on in this Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? I guess they got chainsaws. What can they really, how bad can it be? And, I, and right away, the meat hook, the first time oh. you see, the first time, like, boom, boom. And it's, it's very, like, bludgeony and, and, like, blunt, this boom, boom. Next thing, <laughs> the first time you see someone stuck on a meat hook. Ugh, stop. And the, the refrigerator, it. the freezer, the grime on the freezer, the dirt, like everything is so disgusting and grimy and you know that it's hot and I, sticky. Yeah, like ugh, It's like, like a snuff. Texas. I mean, it's still, it's still very realistic. Like, is this a snuff movie? What the fuck is going on? And the, the most amazing thing about this movie is it's often talked about as being one of the most violent, brutal movies but there's very little blood and very little gore. Going back and watching this movie, you're shocked. So the hook scene, John Dugan plays grandpa, and he was like 18 or 19 years old, and it's a legendary role, probably the only meaningful thing he did in acting, but he talks about going to see this movie in Chicago when it came out, because they made it in 1973, and it took a while for the movie to actually hit theaters. The, the actors had actually all moved on and thought, that ah, this will never come out. So it finally comes out in 74. John Dugan goes to see it in Chicago, and he said, at the meat hook scene, so many people just stood up and started walking out. And if you talk to people about this movie, they talk about this in one of the documentaries, and, and I was even guilty of this. It, it really hit home for me. In, in your mind, you finish the meat hook scene, but they don't actually show anything. So in your mind, you're almost like you picture that hook going in or you picture gore, but it doesn't exist. There's not one drop of blood in that entire scene. That's just so effectively done to fuck with you because, first of all, you've never seen anything like that. So you're automatically going to be shocked and then your brain's going to fill in the rest of the picture for you. And there's so many scenes in Texas Chainsaw Massacre that do that that I think make it way more scary than contemporary horror that really feels the need to show you everything. I still like to see stuff. I, I like both. I like both both methods. Yeah, I like both too. I, I'm not going to say I don't want to see it. I do. Yeah, no, I no, no. I, I, I'm totally, I mean, I'll, I'll watch Hostel. I want to see, you know, I want to see some of that. Well, but I would, part, Hostel, is, Hostel is similar though. I think Hostel is a movie that people think shows a lot more than it does. I think a lot of these movies, the good ones, the really effective ones, when you really go frame by frame, you're imagining a lot. I think that's part of the power, exactly what you're, what you're saying. I think one of the most underrated scary people in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is Drayton Sawyer. Oh, the man. cook. The kind of... He's so great. The dad. <laughs> yeah, he's so kind of like the ringleader of everything. And oh, the he's cook or whatever. So un- yeah. He's yeah. so sketchy. Oh, he just reminds me... Of, like, he has social skills the other guys don't have. And, like, he's out there like, hey, how you doing? Hey. You know, and he's like rubbing elbows with people. He reminds me of some guy that you, like, see in Wyndham... <laughs> that like runs a redemption center or something. 
he talks about that in one of the docs. That was Jim Jim Sidow. And a, and a lot of these people are no longer with us, unfor- unfortunately. So Marilyn Burns played Sally Hardesty, who is the the final girl. She's no longer with us. Uh, Paul Partine, who played Franklin in the wheelchair, is no longer with us. Jim Sidow, Drayton Sawyer that you're talking about, Dave, he's no longer with us. And then Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface in the original, is not only not no longer with us, but he actually passed away in 2015 while he was living in Maine. He was living in Northeast Harbor, Maine when he passed away. But you're right. Jim Sidow, he talks about how as Hooper and Henkel were writing the script, they were like, well, we need at least one character from this clan of psychos to be able to speak clearly. And that was Sidow's role. And I think Hooper was the one that approached him and said, will you be in this movie and sort of bring some kind of normal social skills to this merry band of cannibals? The whole dinner scene is his work in that scene, <laughs> the hitchhiker also, they're so disgusting and so scary. And it really goes on a while. Like, this is a movie that you wonder what the neighbors think because it gives you, like, long, <laughs> sustained periods where it's just screaming. It's just a it's woman a screaming at the top of her lungs for her life. You know, bloody yeah. murder. It's going on and on. And Grandpa's too weak to get... It's oh, like my just, God. It's, it's, that whole part is so cacophonous. The whole, like, uh, once you, she's the final girl from that moment until the movie's over, it's so much chaos and cacophony that... I, I admire it. Like even few movies now have the pace that this movie does. I showed it to Connie, my fourteen-year-old uh, daughter, and she's got this big problem with old movies, which I do too. I can't watch movies that like my parents watched. Like I can't watch Gone with the Wind and appreciate it or Casablanca, whatever. It's just the production quality, everything is just too outdated for me. So I understand. That you know, Connie doesn't want to watch The Exorcist, doesn't want to watch Night of the Living Dead because they they don't really interest her. But she watched this and like thought it was one of the greatest movies. The the dinner scene yeah. is legendary, and Marilyn Burns is so good in that to the point where I was like, please stop screaming. And then <laughs> it's really well, incredible. Like, please <laughs> stop screaming. The the other thing that I will give Marilyn Burns, who plays Sally Hardesty, is. That woman is really willing to jump out of windows. Like watching this through yeah. the podcast lens, I was like, there's two different times that she jumps out of windows without even thinking about it. She's just like, there's a window. I got to get the fuck out of here. But yes. what blew my mind is watching the dock, <laughs> the dinner scene, they shot for 26 consecutive hours. Oh, oh no, God. they did not. Uh, so they wow. had to cover all. So that's real mania. They had to cover, yeah. and, and it literally got that way. So they covered all the windows up with black blankets because they were. Sh- it was supposed to be at night, and they couldn't let any light into the into the house because they were shooting for twenty six fucking straight hours. Then. They had covered the table and like remember the weird chicken thing. There's a ton of real meat in there. Well, on the day that they were shooting, it was 105 degrees in Texas. So everything that they set out, all the meat and everything started to spoil. Now add to that the fact that Gunnar Hansen is a six foot four tall man in his Leatherface costume. They only made one Leatherface costume. 
So they never washed it because they didn't want the risk of losing it or having it change color. So that man sat in the Texas heat for a month straight wearing the same costume, and he's a big dude to start with. So it smelled so bad in there that actors and actresses kept having to go outside to throw up. And then keep in mind that John Dugan, I was talking about grandpa, he stayed in that makeup for 26 straight hours. But it's if you wow. hear them talk about this scene, it's legendary. And I've always thought about this scene as like one of the most classic horror scenes of all time. But hearing about, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'd want to call it the love that went into making it so much <laughs> as the torture. I watched it again and was like, holy shit. It really works because it it comes through. Like Dave, you said, the mania is real. The the sweat, the heat, the grind, like it's really, it really works. And there's the, the scene at the end where Sally's riding away in the truck, which Dave uh, used brilliantly in the, the fir- one of the first promotional pieces that you made for the podcast for Speak All Evil. Marilyn Burns thought that she was done filming the day before after doing the dinner scene and getting out. And they called her that night. And she'd also been wearing the same friggin' outfit. And they called her and said, we need you for one more thing. We forgot to film you driving away in the truck. So she says in one of the docs that the maniacal way that she's acting as she's driving away is 100% legit. She's like, I literally had lost my mind. <laughs> so, so good. Again, it, it comes through. It's probably the greatest ending of all time. It's the greatest mm-hmm. film of all time. What would you guys have done if I came in hot tonight and was like, fuck this movie. I hated this movie. <laughs> I mean, would you have just kicked me off the podcast? <laughs> I didn't consider it as a possibility. Okay. Yeah, I didn't either, really. Cool. Yeah, I was I was pretty confident. The second one is more open to interpretation than the first one. <laughs> well, yeah, I loved yes. that one, too, so I can't wait. Oh, Nice. So this was done for like $110,000, $140,000 and made $31 million at the box office. It was the highest grossing independent film of all time until Halloween came out. So Halloween knocked it off that throne. Oh, right. The other thing is, Dave, you talked about the narration. I think, Kat, you might have too, like how terrifying the narration is. Do you know who that was? I never knew this until we did did it for the show. It was John Larroquette. As in, like, oh, Night I knew Court, that. Yeah, yeah. Stripes. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. And it was Night so powerful wow. that Toby Hooper brought him back for Life Force. And then when they remade Texas Chainsaw in 2003, he did the narration for that. And 2006's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Trent. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to request a song. I'd like to request Indigata de Vida by Iron Butterfly. All right, so the thing about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is I married somebody who this is her absolute worst nightmare movie. So when my wife was young, I'm going to say like seven or eight, she wandered into the living room as her brother was watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He had no idea that she was in the room. And so she stood there behind him and watched 
apparently some really fucked up scene from the movie involving the chainsaw and Leatherface, and it absolutely scarred her for life. So then she meets and I'm hoping fell in love with and marries somebody who this is my absolute favorite movie. So it's been a point of contention over the years to the point where I cannot watch this movie or any Texas Chainsaw movie of which there are now eight if she is in the house or within earshot of the chainsaw. In fact, uh, after the 2003 remake, I bought the DVD and her brother and I were watching it one, one night and I didn't realize she was coming home and she immediately burst into tears, uh, went upstairs and changed and left the house for the evening. That's how upset she was. That's what it's like when my girl comes home and I'm watching porn. But speaking of sequels, there went on to be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is the next movie that we're going to talk about. But after that, they did Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which is not a terrible sequel. I'd never seen it, so I watched it for the first time recently. And it's not that bad. And, and it actually stars Viggo Mortensen in one of his first major roles, which blew me away. And then they went on to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which gave us Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey's first major roles, which is so bad that when they tried to release it, do a re-release on DVD after they blew up as stars, they successfully litigated to get their faces taken off the cover of the DVD art. That's how bad this movie is. Then it kind of went dormant for a while. We got a 2003 remake starring Jessica Biel, Eric Balfour, and Arlie Ermey. For somebody that doesn't necessarily like remakes and Texas Chainsaw is my favorite movie, the remake of Texas Chainsaw in 03, I liked. I dug it. Me too. It doesn't hold up as much as the first time I saw it, for sure, but I've rewatched it several times. Then they went on and they tried to do the thing that we've debated on this show quite a few times. They try to do an origin story. So instead of continuing the story from the successful remake they did, they did 2006's Texas Chainsaw The Beginning, where they try to give you the origin story of Leatherface. It's a terrible movie. Don't watch it. It's not even an origin story. They basically try to give you 10 minutes of an origin story, and then they just remake the remake that they did three years earlier. Then, a few years later, actually nine years later, I think, they did Texas Chainsaw 3D, which Trent and I went and saw in the theater together and got in quite a heated debate after the film. And this movie, what it attempted to do was to ignore Texas Chainsaw 2 and any subsequent sequels, and it tried to pick it up right after Toby Hooper's 74 original for about 10 minutes, and then it launches us into present day, and does a really bad Texas Chainsaw movie. And that one holds up a little bit better after I watch it a few more times, but it's still pretty bad. Starring Alexandra Diodario, Diodario, um, don't know how you say her last name. She's beautiful, but still can't pull this movie together. And then just a couple years ago, I was really excited because another Texas Chainsaw sequel came out, which was actually the ultimate prequel, which followed Leatherface as a child... And that one was done by the directors that brought us the brilliant French horror film Inside. So I thought, wow, that movie's amazing. These directors get a hold of the TCM franchise. They can't fuck this up. They mostly did. It's a movie about a bunch of teenagers that escape from a school for troubled children that have been ripped away from their families. 
and you're trying to figure out the whole movie, which one of these kids ends up being Leatherface. It's revealed at the end. Um, I really hated it on, upon first watch, but I actually enjoyed it a little bit upon this second watch. But all of that being said, the movie that I think Dave wants to set up that we're really going to talk about on this episode is the actual Toby Hooper-directed sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So, Dave, take it away. Oh. Oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, you don't say. Well, it just happens to be a very integral part of my horror movie journey. And it's the only sequel, in my opinion... Uh, none of the other sequels picked up where Toby Hooper ended this story, which is at the end of two. Um, kills kills off everybody, and you have one person left that's crazy and looks like a killer, and you wonder uh, why no one ran with that. But I, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I was probably 10 or 11 when it came out in the theaters. And this is the movie that I talked about in our very first episode that I went to the theater with my mom. Um, I had already seen the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It scared the crap out of me. Um, But I wanted to see the second one and I was trying to be brave. And I went with my mom and there's a part that a lot of people have copied in other movies uh, that made her puke during the movie. Uh, And this is a, a scene where... He cuts off a guy's face with like this little electric turkey knife. And then he puts that guy's face on his face. And then, when, then he puts it on a girl's face. The guy wakes up. You got my face on your face. For some reason, uh, this is just a little too kinky for my mom. And she puked everywhere. Uh, and she was like really a mix between terrified and just sickened. So she left and I was like, I'll watch the rest of it by myself. Um, it took a lot of courage for me to make it through the rest of the movie. Cause I, I thought it was really scary. And again, all these Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, quote sequels or remakes or whatever, they all have huge actors and fucking Dennis Hopper is holding it down in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Such a great role. Uh, I love this movie. It has the comedy that lacked in the first one. Um, not that it lacked. It's nowhere as... It's not a better movie than the first one. But as far as sequels go, and as far as... It's just like they don't give a fuck. They're going to have fun with these characters they created. And it seems like they get a little bit bigger of a budget. And it comes across watching the movie that it's fun and that they're kind of exploiting the characters that they, they, they made, they shine like a comedic light on all of these characters that were so scary 10 or 12 years before when the first one came out. And so it's a really crazy move, lateral move to make a sequel like this. And I, I thought it was cool. Lord, Lord, show me the show end. Me the end. Show me what I fear so I I don't fear it no more. So I don't fear it no more. (laughs) Great Dennis Hopper in this. This was a huge movie for me as a kid, too. I mean, I saw this and the original probably around the same time. And the the funny thing is to me now that 
back then, I didn't view this movie as any kind of black comedy or any kind of satire or parody or spinoff or any, you know, I just it was serious to me. So I think because in its comedy, it speaks very much to the the mind of a you know ten year old or something like. I just saw I saw no difference really between the first movie and two because you know I didn't either back then. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't play like comedy to me. It's just crazy, disgusting, horrible, horrible horror movie that's that I loved and it stayed with me. Probably, I think there are very few movies with as many scenes that stayed burned in my brain for as long as this movie. Like my whole life, I can never forget. The scene you're talking about, Dave, the guy who's been skinned alive, his face goes on the victim, the other captive, the lady DJ, and you can like feel that the face is no longer warm. It's cold, wet, floppy, <laughs> gelatinous, <laughs> bloody skin flapping against her face. Oh, Stop. my God. Stop. The scene where the character... Um, <laughs> I fr- I'm, now I'm, I'm blanking on Chop chop Shop, Chop Head, whatever his name chop is. Chop Shop. Chop Top has a has a steel plate in his skull and throughout the movie like the way you might nervously bite your fingertips or something or pick at a scab he's using a coat hanger to pick at the wound in his head and then gets little bits of flesh from the wound cooks it with a cigarette lighter and then eats it puts it into his mouth my whole life I can remember the first time I saw it I can, my whole life I remember him picking his head wound with a coat hanger and eating it after cooking it um, Leatherface with the like six foot saw blade stuck through him and he's like walking around saw hanging out of the front Dennis Hopper all of these things just like were so iconic in my mind and looking back it's funny I noted that Evil Dead 2 is a couple years after Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and I think it's interesting because it kind of does the same thing like here's the crazy over-the-top camp sequel and even goes as far as doing the chainsaw, you know, which is kind of interesting. This is motherfucking Tom Savini doing the effects on this movie. So Hooper knew what was up, as did Savini, obviously. I agree with you. I'm so happy to hear you guys talk about this like that. And like Trent, I hadn't seen this movie in quite a while. I definitely watched it since I saw it as a kid. But I felt the same way. Like, I remembered it as so much more serious and scary. And the opening scene with Leatherface, you know, surfboarding a truck, going like 70 miles down the highway, doing the chainsaw dance. No, that's next Chop Top. No, it's Leatherface. And that's it, his puppet. It's the. No, that's a puppet he made. It's Leatherface, but it's that pup. It's Leatherface working the puppet, though. Yeah, it's Leatherface working the puppet on oh, top of a pickup yeah. truck. Driving 70 miles oh, an right, hour down he's the road. Under, he, it comes off. Right. That scene yeah, stuck yeah. with me forever as terrifying. I thought it was terrifying. Then I watched it this time and I was like, the kids that are in the car that instigate, you know, the Sawyer family, it's so fucking cheesy and so well done. So the second one picks up, and I guess we're supposed to believe that Drayton Sawyer, the cook, and Leatherface have gotten away from the ends of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They now inexplicably have another family member named Chop Top, who is played by Bill Mosley. I don't have to tell anyone who Bill Mosley is. He's a horror legend. 
And now they are traveling around the state and winning chili cook-offs. Kat, did you watch these in order? Did you watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then watch part two? Yeah, why would I do it the other way? I don't know. I was just curious because you hadn't seen either of them before, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I I'm have just, never seen I'm this curious one. about the, the transition now being like having seen both of these movies for the first time, watching the first one and then immediately watching this one. It was definitely a weird transition, but I kind of, uh, Dave gave me a heads up being like, second one's funny, but like funny like House of a Thousand Corpses is funny. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's exactly what I said. And I was like, oh, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so I kind of had an idea that it was going to be like a campier version. Um, I liked this one equally as much, uh, just because I'm a big fan of like the camp. I like I like the, the horror comedy uh, situation. But I really liked the final girl in this one. Uh, Stretch, I believe her name was. Uh, the little DJ. She was fucking badass. Like, she was falling into the same tropes of being like, what's that noise? Who's that? Blah, blah, blah. But she was, like, taking names. Like, she was, like, kicking it or, like, at least surviving. I don't know how much ass she was kicking or how many hearts she was capturing. But, yeah, I, I liked that character. It was it was a, it was a nice little uh, deviation from, like, just the screaming final girl. I mean, she definitely screamed for most of the film, I will say. But... <laughs> She was also like, let me be smart about this. Let me go f- run over here. Let me hook up with uh, Dennis Hopper, but not in a sexy way, just in like a fighting uh, these uh, redneck cannibal kind of way. She almost hooked up with Leatherface. She sure did. Uh, that was an interesting part. I didn't know that Leatherface found love. Uh, good for him. It was definitely a weird moment for Jimmy to walk into the room after not watching any of the beginning part. Of course, it's always that moment when someone walks into the room during the weirdest part of the movie. He's like, what's he, uh, what's he doing with that chainsaw there? Oh, yeah, what it's he- sexy music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far in yet. The longest chainsaw imaginable. It was definitely odd. Did he ejaculate whilst firing up the chainsaw? Is that what happened? I think he did. I'm, okay, good for him. I, yeah. I, I got the feeling that he was pretty naive to the ways of the birds and the bees, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that maybe this was the first time he'd experienced some of these feelings. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's a hopper at the end, or is, is it hopper that says sex or the saw, or was that the cook? I don't, I don't remember. That was the cook. That was the cook, Because he was like, you got to choose. But I have a question. (laughs) Wasn't Chop Top and the Hitchhiker, wasn't that the same character? Twin brother. No, that's his twin brother, and it's a different actor. I wondered about that. So they, when when the cook, at the end of the movie, when the cook is hiding under the table, as Hopper and Leatherface have their epic chainsaw battle. Sure. There's the puppet that Dave was talking about that they've been carrying around this whole time is the body mm-hmm. That's of the, the hitchhiker. hitchhiker. Nubbin. Nubbin. So they... we find out his name. Oh, I well, where it was the does... same dude. That's why he had a metal plate in his head. Yeah. 
Because he got hit by the truck. No. It's oh, he got hit by the truck. I forgot he got hit by the truck yeah, in the yeah. first one. That's why I said, like, inexplicably another, another family member shows up to travel around with them. Uh, so when, okay. the cook, when the cook is under the table, he reaches for Nubbins for the hitchhiker's body and pulls the mm. grenade out of his pocket. Oh. I just now realized when you started saying that, I, I was wondering when I watched, like, he was like, come here, Nubbins, and I didn't think... I didn't connect it, but now as you said that, I realized that was <laughs> that was him. It's funny how much the actors look That's alike. That's what though. I the thought. Chopped up really looks quite a bit like him. Interesting. Yeah, because it made sense that he had the metal plate in his head because he got hit by a truck. Yeah. Now it was from Nam. <laughs> yeah, it was from Nam. <laughs> from Nam. Oh, okay. It's all. Well, I I don't like that as much. I thought it was the oh. other guy. <laughs> Man. Well, either way. Um, oh, sorry to. I know. I, I thought Chop Top was a. Uh, I would say he was a little scarier than Leatherface in this one, because Leatherface was a was a big old softy for stretch there. Yeah, true. But uh, Chop Top was, was ready to uh, itch some uh, plates Stat- and uh... the slicing of the legs. Like oh. the... you know, talking about Leatherface being a softy, like one thing that we didn't get into in the first Texas Chainsaw is how Leatherface has multiple masks, and I think one of the undervalued. Things from Texas Chainsaw One is that we we learn that Leatherface adopts the personality of the mask that he wears. So when he has like the really fucked up mask on, he's like, "I'm I'm out to kill some some people." When he puts like the pretty woman face on at dinner, he becomes like very proper. He wants to have a, he has guests over, you know, quote unquote guests. You know, when he has grandma's robe on, he's wearing the other mask. He's you know playing the role of like the the woman in the family or, or the domesticator. This movie didn't really deal with that from that aspect in terms of mass, but it definitely made him, it tried to humanize him more. I think that's always a good challenge in a Texas Chainsaw movie to gauge its success as to how well they humanize Leatherface. Because this could be a very sympathetic character. And I think what the, the more successful Texas Chainsaws make him terrifying, but also make you wonder look, what happened to this guy? Is it even his fault that he's this fucked up? Like, how did you get this way? You know, is it product of environment or is it DNA? Like, how does it work? And this this movie did do a pretty fun job with Stretch, the DJ that we're talking about, uh, kind of showing uh, a softer side of Leatherface. But if you want to talk about the real sexy time in this movie, there's a serious erotic moment that we're all missing. And that's when Dennis Hopper goes to a chainsaw store to buy a bunch of chainsaws. <laughs> and there's a moment where he leaves with this gigantic chainsaw and two tiny chainsaws that he can holster like guns. Oh, and, that holster. And he starts going that. to town on this log outside. And the shop owner that just sold him the chainsaw literally looks like he's getting <laughs> off at watching Dennis Hopper use a chainsaw on a massive log in front of his store. I like that they doubled down on all the chainsaw activity in the second one. It was like <laughs> it was like triple. It was very self-aware. Yeah, I mean, this was made like '85. I gotta think the chainsaws in this movie are the largest available anywhere on the market. Like, I don't. They went out and they found. I mean, the blades are hilariously long. Those are probably not even real. The super long ones. I don't know, but they have to. If they were real, they're definitely the biggest anybody. They're probably- I real would in think Texas has ever made everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah, maybe they're Texas. Oh, Dennis Hopper's character is so amazing because 
he's going to get revenge. Um, it's very much a, a revenge movie. He's the uncle of of Sally and Franklin Sally from the first movie. Right, and he's going to get revenge on them, and he's just so righteous, and he's always like, you know, saying these righteous hymns or whatever you call them, and you know, you could go in there with a a, a gun and probably kill everybody easier, easily. But he Very wants to match to- him. He's like, oh, you want to kill motherfuckers with chainsaws? Well, I got this double action holster chainsaw, and I got these two back chainsaws. And it's so unnecessary, and and I loved it. I loved that Dennis Hopper took this role. I've never seen him in any other horror movies ever, and in any role like this. Well, he did. He did end up calling it the worst movie that he ever acted in. No, (laughs) Dennis. Yeah, don't don't give Dennis too much credit because he uh, he totally dissed this movie. Well, he might he might not like it. It's not for everyone. Yeah, I was wondering, like, he probably thought that he was getting a piece of, like, one of the edgiest, most legendary films of all time. And then <laughs> doing this movie, probably, maybe not what he, what he expected is what I was thinking when I was watching him. Approaches his role with great gusto, though. It does a great job. We haven't given enough uh, props to, uh, to Caroline Williams, who plays Stretch. So we keep mentioning the DJ. But we talked about how the, the family is back together. They're traveling around doing chili cook-offs. But what happens is the opening sequence that we, we kind of talked about is some kids fuck with the wrong pickup truck, which, ha- which happens to be driven by the family. And they are calling a radio station. And this DJ, Stretch, takes the call and sort of hears the murder. And at the time, at the top of the movie, the narration is that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that happened in the first movie is sort of like urban legend. No one's ever been able to prove it. And in subsequent years, there's been more chainsaw murders, so they're trying to figure it out. So this this woman, Stretch, hears the call, hears the murders, and sort of reaches out to Dennis Hopper's character, who is called broadcasts Lefty. it over the radio. Yeah, and That's then an she broadcasts it. it, and that brings the wrath of the family down upon her. So essentially, a, lo- a large part of the movie that we're leaving out is that it's her struggle against the family, and then her and Hopper's sort of ending up in the clutches of the family as they try to overtake them. And there's a great scene when Chop Top and Leatherface show up at the radio station to kill Stretch and her uh, assistant, LG. And Chop Top is yelling about Leatherface, and he keeps saying, Dog will hunt! Dog will hunt! Primus. And that was, yes, Primus sampled that, and Jerry was a race car driver for, for, uh, for that song. It's, 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 it's just a great use of media. This is free on Prime right now, by the way, too. So this is an easy one. It's on. It's also on Hoopla, which I'm not familiar with, but you can watch this on Prime. Well, I like talking about this movie particularly because all these other sequels are kind of garbage, and this got kind of a bad. This was a flop, um, and they, it, it really was a huge risk. I mean, the poster art for this, they recreated the the cover of the Breakfast Club. With, yeah. all, with the whole family. Right. That's the cover of like the DVD and the promotional stuff. So like you come off like the darkest movie of all time and then make put out a poster with like 
the Breakfast Club as or, or the Sawyer family yeah. as a Breakfast Club. And it said Saw is said Saw is family on it. People must yeah. have been very confused. But yeah. what, I wasn't confused at all because I was ten. But, but I, I loved it, and I feel like I like talking about it because I feel like a lot of people would dismiss this movie based on its track record. Uh, it gets very, very poor reviews. Dennis Hopper hates it, <laughs> you know. But I think it's great. I think it's a special kind of twisted that uh, I don't know. It was, it, it, it's great. It's one of my my favorite sequels of all time. I appreciated that the ultimate sequence in this, as different a film as this is, as uh, from a Texas Chainsaw Massacre and as many different things as it does um, than that movie, it still relies on the centerpiece being the dinner. And it's good to know that the Sawyer family dinner ritual hasn't changed at all in the 10 years. When they have a guest over, they still like to tie them up at the head of the table, and they got to get Grandpa down. And it's almost, it kind of looks like this is like the scene that Toby Hooper would have wanted to do back in 74. It's just much more ornate and more over the top the whole table and the whole setting that their whole lair is so incredible but again they've dragged her over to the bucket and they got grandpa with the mallet trying to get her out of there you know so that's still you know they still do things the sawyer way when it comes to hosting so i, I appreciated that lock your door lady or i'll jump in your car i know you know how nasty we are poke out your eyeballs and make you a scar Make you have to walk real far Mess up your hairdo and set on your face Scatter your makeup all over the place Take all your money and kidnap your kids Take all your money and buy me some lids And I'll call up your husband, tell him you're dead Take out your tonsils and make you give head Let all the air out of all your tires Take out your molars with needle nose pliers Make you do everything you don't want to do Buy me some earthworms, smear them on you Put your fat head in a rusty old vice Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> 